Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga, and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes, and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. And so I think all of us know that we want to feel empowered in our relationships. And sometimes that's not the experience we have, that in fact, we experience the opposite of empowerment in our relationships. And so we need some tools, some definite intention. We need to intend. I'm not going to let it stay the same as this for the rest of my life. This is very dull. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, because <laughs> it hurts, doesn't it? Interpersonal conflict and stuff is very painful. And of course, I've found, and I'm sure you're the same, that the closer people are to us, the more these things can be quite painful. I had a book somewhere that I was going to have a look at. Thank you very much. This book was loaned to me yesterday, and it's called Bringing Heaven Down to Earth. 365 meditations. So we're not going to do 365 meditations, but it is a beautiful book by a rabbi who lived in Brooklyn. He's left his body now, but it's one of his followers has put together a lot of his quotes. And I was reading it this morning and I thought, oh, this guy was so beautiful. This, this tradition that he was teaching is just so refined and excellent. He's a tzaddik at T-Z-A-D-I-C-K, I think you spell it, tzaddik. Uh, my Hebrew is not that great. However, a tzaddik is a person who can teach by energetic transfer. It's a master, actually a spiritual master. So not all rabbis are tzaddiks, just rare uh, rabbis are tzaddiks. And uh, this guy clearly is. I can feel the vibrations of the teacher who wrote this book just holding the book. It's actually giving me a blessing just holding it. So that's my kind of book. What do you reckon? So here's one of his quotes. We're doing empowering relationships, so I picked something relationshipy out of his book. So think about this. You complain that peace in the home is, for you, wrought with obstacles. All of us today are souls who've been here before. In general, we return on unfinished business. Certainly we're all responsible for doing all the good we can and avoiding everything harmful. But that certain unfinished business, that's where the most obstacles will be. And those obstacles will be your only clue as to what business you're here to finish. Ooh. Go on a big ooh. (laughs) So what wisdom, huh? Sometimes we imagine that the doctrine of reincarnation is something that was dreamt up by a bunch of Indian people. But in fact, it's a very ancient teaching that I've seen writings about it in the Egyptian alchemy. I've seen it. That's why they always give so much stuff to people who died. They give them, you know, a house full of furniture and jewelry and precious clothing when they bury them because they know that they'll come back to life again and they'll need that stuff. So whilst I I think that might not have worked, but the concept that that was um, a reincarnation situation. Christianity, which evolved out of Judaism, somehow or other uh, the teaching of uh, reincarnation was omitted uh, from the scriptures and from the teachings of that church 
And according to some historians, that happened at some councils, the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Trent, which happened a long time ago in the very early years of the church. And because Catholicism, Christianity, became the dominant religion on the face of the planet, so it is that over time we all forgot about reincarnation. We all just assume that when you're dead, you're dead, and you stay in a box until Judgment Day, and then, boing, you either go up or down, one or the other. That used to scare the hell out of me as a kid, I've got to say. That doctrine was like, oh, my God. And you can understand why it creates such trauma around, um, around dying to have that. Anyway, my own personal philosophy that's developed uh, through my extensive reading and studying as a grown-up has been that reincarnation is its a relief. Believing in reincarnation for me is a relief because I know that whatever I'm experiencing is somehow connected to stuff that I've experienced before but probably been on the other side of. What you give, you'll receive. And so if I do have problems, then whilst you can go inside and blame yourself and feel shame and feel upset about these problems, I'm not really advocating that as a way forward. I think it's better to think, ah, that's an interesting piece of is. What am I going to do about that piece of is? And that's where all of our skillfulness comes in. That's where how do you be the best person you could be in this situation? What would love do with this? You know, and it's like far out. Never expected that I'd have this, this to deal with. And then you do. And so what do you do with it? And to me, it's the living of our daily life. It's in our relationships. It's in how we treat our partner. It's about what happens when I feel stressed. And do I just spread stress like a big stress monster all throughout the world? Or am I able to kind of pull that in and, and transmute that energy? And how do I talk myself through that? How do I be with myself so I don't get lost in the abyss of freaking out, uh, feeling anxious, feeling scared? And then we don't like feeling scared, so we hide that. So then we go and have a whole lot of other things we do. Get very busy. Get very busy, then you won't feel scared. Who's ever done that? <laughs> I think we all have. Uh, and the other thing we do, of course, is we medicate ourselves. So that involves any kind of addictive anything you can think of. That pushes everything down as well. Don't have to deal with it then. But that causes more complications, as I'm sure we've, we've all experienced to some degree at some place in our life. And where does that leave us? Well, that leaves us with needing to learn some spiritual tools, I think, because our spirituality gives us a way in to learning how to be with the isness of our life in a more peaceful and productive way. Yesterday, in both of the classes that were running here at our ashram, we had groups that were looking at the inner child and how to meet the needs of that inner child and how to parent that child effectively. This has been something that I've been studying and practicing now for over 20-something years, and I still find that my understanding of myself through that model continues to grow such that my inner child and I have discussions just so regularly. It's unusual for a day to go past that there isn't a, a series of discussions that take place. And whenever any energy changes, whenever there's a new feeling whenever it's usually around feelings, I know I need to grab hold of my inner child and help her to not feel threatened, stressed out, 
blah de blah because that part of self is so important. And I'm not sure if it was originally designed this way back in the 1950s, but there, I was there when some people asked Amma, who's my teacher, what's the inner child, Amma? And Amma said, the inner child is the vulnerable part of your soul that needs to be nurtured. So that's so profound for me. I'm going to say it again, that the inner child is the vulnerable part of your soul that needs nurturing. Amazing, huh? So as the energy of your soul is welling up and through your being, your soul is already inside your body as well as being this vastness that exists in other dimensions through all time and space really, has no beginning and no end, but there's an important essence of your soul that's already inside. But for most of us, when we come into incarnation, we don't really connect so much with the soul because we're connecting with the physical world. And I just correct myself there, babies are connected to their souls. I don't know if you've noticed with little babies how often when you watch a baby, its eyes are going all around the room looking at things that aren't there. They're seeing into worlds we don't see into as adults. They're connected uh, in a way that about when they speak, they start speaking, I believe is when they become more about the physical world and less about the inner world. But I think it takes them a good couple of years to come fully in. In some cultures, they don't let the baby touch the ground in that first period of time in some of the island nations and so forth because they believe that the baby is still a spirit at that stage even though it's got some physical form. That it's And the Australian Aboriginals had a whole lot of beliefs around that too, around how the baby is really a spirit. And yes, you can look at it, but its consciousness is not where everyone else's is necessarily. When it starts speaking, that's about the time. So in the Christian scriptures, which by the way I love, and I love Christianity, Lord Jesus said, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a little child. And you think, well, why? Why would Jesus say something like that? And I think that what's being referred to is the purity of the soul that the child is in connection with. And in our class yesterday, we were speaking about what it's like hanging out with little kids and how they are very pure. And particularly at that age, they're just so certain of themselves. They're so confident. They're just so present, aren't they? Being with a baby, you're just in the presence of presence. And then after a while, we kind of often lose that. So this inner child work is imagining that you are that precious presence. That's you. You haven't actually lost it. It's just gone a bit subterranean. And so the whole notion of this doctrine is about bringing that essence of your sacred self to life again. And then how do you manage it? Because it's really a massive energy that's not particularly socialized or connected to the planet. And so how do we manage it? And so if something horrible is happening, that spiritual energy might react in kind with horribleness. If something stressful is happening, that energy might react in kind and bring forth stressfulness. And then the thing is that that energy is creative. It creates and it creates stuff in our life all the time. 
if we let our inner child that's perceiving horribleness around us soak in that horribleness in an unattended way, it's like a wateriness that takes on whatever it's surrounded with. It just takes it on like water will take on pollution or water will take on rose essence to become rose water. What are you going to use the water? It takes blessings. Water is the best thing for blessing because it carries the blessing for weeks, months, or even years, depending on the power of who put the blessing in there. So the thing is, if we've got our inner child soaking in horrible, horribilis, we'll say horribilis, and that means any kind of stuff going out there in the world that is disgusting. So horribilis comes in, and so then... Our inner child will create horribilis, 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 and then it's going boom like that, boom outward, create horribilis. Horribilis is, is what reality is. And then it creates more horribilis. Energetically, it's kind of, this is how the law of vibration works. This is the inner mechanism of why the inner you is so important to keep your vibration as high as you can. And so the job of the inner parent is to go, Hey, stop being scared. I'm here. Yes, I know it's horrible out there, but it's not horrible in here. I love you. I approve of you. Come on, let's go play. Let's play. And the play can be in your mind. You can entertain that part of yourself. You can say, come on, let's be in a safe zone in here. I love you. The world stuff is the world stuff. But in here we've got paradise. And so the idea is to talk your energy into feeling that paradise that we are capable of creating. Does this, does this make some kind of sense? And so this process of being affected by things around us is happening all the time. When we're around happy things and joyful things, then that soaks in and we go, yay, I'm happy. But the thing is, we don't need the external to create the internal state. It's easier, but the mastery comes when we can create the internal states regardless of what the external state is. And that's really mastery, whether you're talking to a Buddhist monk or a um, tzaddik or if you're talking to, you know, some great Hindu sage or an Australian Aboriginal holder of the wisdom and the law, it's internal. And so to have any tools at all that help us with this internal mastery is totally amazing. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Daddy.